Hi everyone, and welcome to the Healthy You podcast, where we talk to healthcare professionals about all things health and wellness. I'm your host, Andrew Barton, and today our special guest is Rob Brown from the Gold Coast Suns. Robert graduated from the University of Queensland with a master's in sports physiotherapy in 2010. Prior to completing his master's qualifications, he graduated in 2006 from the graduate entry master's degree in physiotherapy. Robert has also completed his Bachelor of Applied Science in Exercise Science with honours in 2003, both of which from the University of Queensland. Robert is currently working as physiotherapist with the Gold Coast Suns AFL team, having previously spent the last seven years based in Europe and the UK. Robert began his career as a sports physiotherapist in 2009 as the head physio for the Academy of the Brisbane Royal Football Club, helping the club to achieve both winning the A-League Premiership and the Championships. Robert then ventured to Europe where he was appointed head physiotherapist for the Mitchelton Scott Pro Cycling Team from its inception in 2012 through to 2014. This role saw him work with Australian high-performance cycling athletes to achieve success from world championships through to grand tours, including the Tour de France. Following this, Robert was based at a high-level sports private practice clinic in London, treating a diverse range of high-level athletes, from British Olympic athletes to Premier League footballers. Before his move back to Australia, Robert was a team physiotherapist for the Canadian Alpine Ski Team, providing assistance for their European training camps and World Cup race series. Thanks very much for uh, coming in today to have a chat, mate, and look forward to diving in today to discuss all things cycling. Pleasure. Great to be here. So um, tell me how you got into cycling. Um, I think cycling as a sport, I probably took up a little bit later than than most sports. Um, growing up, I, I did the usual cricket, swimming, Queensland male sports, um, and then played soccer in the, in the winter. Um, there was a bit of a cycling craze that came through end of the 90s, early 2000s, off the back of sort of the Lance Armstrongs and Stuart O'Grady's. And my dad cycled quite a bit with his mates. So sort of got into cycling that way. Dad, dad bought a bike and I tried his old one and and never looked back and sort of got into the sport that way. And then doing sports physiotherapy at the same time, I took an interest in sort of the body around the bike and, and injuries on the bike. And um, the clinic I, I worked in at the time, the private practice, they were really, really encouraging in, in helping me develop those, those skills. And so was um, cycling something that you did um, competitively? No, I never competitively. Okay. Always just enjoyment. And even to this day, it's just pure enjoyment. Um, I don't think I'm good enough to, to compete, um, but it's also quite a, a brutal sport um, in terms of, of injuries and crashes, yeah. um, which I'm, I'm still a little bit wary of, but also in, in training as well. Like if you, if you want to cycle competitively, you need to train, you know, four hours a day, most days of the week. It's a big commitment when you work full time. It's enormous. Yeah. yeah, I had at most respect to the professionals who'd who'd made it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'd imagine the the boys who jump on and do the Tour de France do train a heck of a lot. Yeah, yeah, for many many years. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, do you mind just sharing with us quickly a couple of the experiences that you've had in Europe? Yeah. So that was um, fantastic. So cycling is is enormous in Europe. It's um, one of the biggest summer sports there and, and to a lesser extent in North America as well. Um, cycling in Australia is, is really popular, but we never had 
a pro scene. We had a lot of pro cyclists that then had to go to Europe. Um, so it was hard to develop that high-end elite skill in, in Australia. Um, but along came the, the Mitchelton Scott, or as, as it was known then, was the Green Age Cycling Team. Um, and they needed a, a physiotherapist, and I put my hat in the ring, and I was lucky enough to, to get the head physio job. So, um, so we moved over there in February 2012. Um, we landed in Italy when it was pouring down snow, and, um, and we set up at what they call the ETC, so the European Training Centre, which is an AIS facility in, in northern Italy, and, um, and went to work there. I spent one year in, in Italy and then two years in northern Spain, um, just purely logistical. We had to move to, to northern Spain just to climb it and, and where the, the riders were based around. But what can I say? It's, it's a crazy sport um, and they, they race and they train really, really hard. And um, I think the most I got out of that was sort of how to think on my feet and deal with logistics on the road um, over there. And as athletes come, I know that you're with the, the Suns at the moment, but as cycling athletes, are they any different to dealing with footballers? Um, same, same, but different, I okay. guess, is the, <laughs> is the thing to say there. I mean, AFL players and cyclists are very similar in that they're, they're really, really tough guys. They're... Um, They'll, they'll push through a lot of barriers, um, their, their mental strength and, and um, psychological capabilities are enormous. Um, cycling is probably a little bit more uh, overuse, wear and tear. So they're on the bike, you know, they've got to do stages for five, six hours, you know, up to three weeks um, and keep their body mass really low for that. So it's probably a bit more rather than really high impact, high intensity. It's probably probably overall just as intense, but over a really long period of time. So it probably just chips away at you every day and you, you wear down. Okay. And so speaking mm-hmm. of some of those overuse injuries, what are the most common uh, injuries you seem to see with the cycling athletes? Um, so if you, if you broadly branch or, or break injuries into two two groups, you've got the overuse and the and the acute or traumatic. The acute traumatic is probably more prevalent than the overuse because of the crashes. Um, so you'll get a lot of broken collarbones, broken upper limbs and a couple of um, broken, broken lower limbs. But if we just go to the overuse, then uh, by far the knee is the most um, prevalent injury, so anterior knee pain or more specifically the knee cap. Mm-hmm. So um, and then secondly it'd be uh, lower back pain. Okay, cool. Well, we might um, dive in a little bit to discuss about knee pain specifically with cycling and um, like why does knee pain occur uh, or why is it so prevalent with cyclists? So generally speaking, it's a it's an overload of the, the kneecap. So end of the thigh, there's a little groove and the kneecap will sit in that groove and it sits just above the knee joint proper. Cycling and the position that you're in in cycling and how you produce force into the pedals to go forward, it's inherently uh, quad dominant because you're in a flex position. So you're bent over the bike, your hips are flexed. So you can't, or your glutes and your hip muscles are not in an optimal position to produce the force. And then also with the knee, well, how you are based on the bike is that it's really, really easy just to use the knee 
And so you use the, the quads to produce your force. If you preferentially use your quads too much to produce this extension on the bike, then you'll overload those soft tissues that come into the into the front of the knee. And that can be a number of different tissues. So where the kneecap sits, there's a little bit of cartilage under the knee, so you can get a bit of compression there or, or wear and tear. There's a tendon that comes from the, the patella down to the, the shin. That's less of an issue purely because cycling is not that explosive uh, jumping movement. So the tendon doesn't tend to get so irritated. There's a fat pad that lies underneath um, and that is really, really vascular and very sensitive. Um, and so overloading the front of the knee, you can stir up that. And then there's a soft tissue which sort of surrounds that kneecap and that can uh, become overused or uh, overloaded and in, in inflammatory. The tendon that comes from the quads into the patella, so on the top, that's also a, a site of overuse as well. Okay. If someone's experiencing the, the pain at the front of their knee, what sorts of things can they do to, to fix that? So when you, when you produce force on the bike, it primarily comes from the lower limb. So if you think sort of belly button down and it's a, an extension moment. So if you think about the, the foot is at the top of the pedal stroke and you're just going to push down to, to the bottom and maybe a little bit past the bottom and that's the most crucial phase. And you can produce that force at the hip, the knee and also the ankle. To fix it, we want to reduce that load at the knee, but don't want to reduce the load overall because one way to fix it is you cycle less or you don't cycle as fast or cycle with less power and no one wants that. So very simply, we want to take that load or distribute that load elsewhere. And so there's a couple of things that we can do within a bike fit and also with exercises that will get us to probably produce a little bit more force at the hip maybe a little bit more force at the ankle and just tidy things up to take that force or load off the front of the knee and, and reduce that stress on the tissues. Okay. And who would you see for those modifications to your bike? So with a bike fit, you always want to go to someone who's quite experienced uh, at bike fitting, but also has the knowledge of, of the body as well. So if there's, so there's two, there's Either end, there's quite a lot of spectrum. So you have a mechanic who will know the bike really well, but probably doesn't know the body very well. And then at the other spectrum, you've got, say, a physiotherapist or another health professional that will know the body really well, but may not know the bike very well. And so you want to find someone within that spectrum that I guess can really do your job. And so it's about meeting the demands of how you are on the bike and then how your body is moving. And everyone is really, really individual. So there's some people that if you change a bit on their bike, it'll have a really dramatic effect and they won't have to do as much off the bike. And then it's vice versa. So it's like anything in life or anything in healthcare, everyone is is different and and the changes you make, everyone will respond a little bit differently. But overall, you want to have someone who knows the body and also knows the bike and how you're going to adapt to it. And from your experience, do you find that uh, the common mistake that people make is their bike setup or it's a combination of factors? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of factors and it's finding which one contributes the most. Um, and so that's what you'll do in a, in a really good assessment is just drill down like what, what they really need to, to focus on and what's going to give them the best effect. But if you went with movement patterns, exercise, muscle activation and bike fit, you've pretty much got 95% of everything 
everything covered. Covered it all. Yeah. Yeah. And are there any um, specific programs or um, devices that a physio uh, or a health professional might use when they're doing a bike fit? Um, there is a lot on the market. The one that we use most commonly was a retool. Um, I think Specialized have bought them out. But basically what it is is something that will measure your joint angles and that can be really, really, really fancy. But if you can get some joint angles, then that's something to work with. But what it is is it's like any piece of technology. It's how the operator will use it. So with the bike fits that I've done, I've used Retool, but I've also in clinic used just my iPad and then just to measure hip, knee and different angles on the bike to see how someone is moving. Once you've got those angles then it gives you an idea of what might need to be changed and et cetera. And why, um, why are the angles really important? Uh, so um, one of the biggest, well, the, the go-to thing on the bike for increased knee load or knee pain is uh, knee flexion angle. So if, you, if you're cycling along and especially at the top of your stroke is how much your knee is flexed or bent and then also down through 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock on the pedal stroke, um, one way you can get a good idea of, of what makes this important is if you do a squat or a lunge, or even if you do a, a step up, the more your knee is flexed, the more compression load goes through the knee, but it also, uh, means the quadriceps have to work harder to overcome this flexion angle. So if you do a squat to halfway, it's not going to feel too bad on your knees. But if you do a really, really low squat, then you can start to feel that pressure build within the knee. And that you take that theory onto the bike. And so the easiest and quickest way to change a knee flexion angle is the seat height. So if the seat is too low, then your flexion angle is going to be too high and it'll have a lot more load going through the knee. Yeah, right. Another way to do it is also the forward, backward of the of the saddle. So if you if you're seat is too far forward, then your knee will be over your toes or your flexion angle will be too high. So this is like if you do a, a squat and your knees go over your toes, then you'll also feel more pressure within your knee. And do you um, do you change the foot position on the cleats often? Yeah. And that's, I guess, getting back to your previous question is when it gets a little bit technical as well. So once you start changing seat height, forward, back, cleat, ang- uh, cleat position, is that you can actually change other angles as well. So you need a really good understanding of the bike and how changing, what you change on the bike and how it will change the person and then how the person will adapt to that bike and then also what changes that will bring to them as well. So, yeah, cleat position is is really important, um, first and foremost for foot, ankle, etc. But it's also if the cleat is too far forward on the shoe, uh, meaning that your ankle or foot is longer, then, yeah, you're going to have, have a longer lever arm at the foot and you're going to have to produce more force for a required power as well. So probably the first thing on a bike fit or a general bike fit for anyone is getting their cleat position really good and in the right position. The best, I guess the the most general way to put it is if that cleat sits sort of underneath the ball of your foot. Right. So if you're going to do a calf raise and you do a really nice smooth calf raise and you've got that nice even pressure onto the front third of your foot, that's what you should feel when you're cycling. Yeah. I've um, just recently taken up cycling, but I'm still in my boardies and, and T-shirt, <laughs> so I'm taking a lot of notes out of this one. Um, so, Rob, what do you think would be three 
of your you know biggest top tips that you'd like to to give our audience for helping to manage them if they do have some knee pain? Um, so the number one tip would be to see someone when you've got it. Um, this isn't an overload injury, and this is the the biggest thing that I need to educate my patients on is that it's not a an injury that will just heal by itself. It's an overload injury. So as long as that load stays on the knee, you'll always have it. So you can have the knee pain and then stop cycling and then it'll go away. But as soon as you start to put load on that knee again, it'll come back. So you can have the knee pain for two days, you can have it for two years or you can have it for 20 years. It's just a load-related injury. So you have to first of all, do something about it and rest is not a uh, adequate treatment. Yep, okay. Um, you can reduce the load and that will help, but that's just short-term symptom relief. Yep. Um, number two would be, I'd probably go with addressing the body first and how you produce force. So as we talked about with the squats and the lunges, if you think about if you have a, a knee-dominant um, extension pattern, and I know a squat is quite a, probably a, a more simple exercise and probably doesn't um, challenge the body as much as other exercises, but it is a really, really good basic pattern of hip, knee, ankle. So if you get your squat right and you're producing a nice extension through the hip, a little bit through the knee, and then maybe a little bit through the ankle, depending on on what you do with the heel, then, then working on things like that and changing how you distribute the load and how you produce load through those joints would be my my number two. And and number three would be to get your bike set up. Good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Mate, I, I appreciate that because I've taken a lot away from it and um, I think I'll be donning the, the boardies and, and shirt this weekend. Thanks very much, Rob, for coming on today to discussing all things knee pain related with regards to cycling. And we look forward to having you on the, the next episode uh, to discuss lower back pain and uh, cycling. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Thank you.